0: Bonjour and bienvenue to Lullabelle's Francophiles. Je m'appelle Lou and I'm here to keep your Frenchy vibes all aflutter. This is the place to tune in to hear chats about all things French to satisfy the Francophile within each of us, whether we are in France or not. We now have listeners from across the globe, so I'd like to send a shout out to Francophiles who live in Australia, France, and all around the world. Bonjour, wherever you're listening from today. Now today, my guest is someone very special to me. I have mentioned my partner, Paul, in almost every episode of Little Bell's Francophiles, and today there's no need to just talk about him as he's joining me as my guest. Bonjour, ma chérie Paul, ça va
1: we now,
0: I have often mentioned you, Paul, as you're a terrific cook, and you constantly indulge my love of French food by whipping up fabulous dishes for dinner, but we'll hear a bit more about that later. Today, we are going to chat about our trip to France in 2018. Now, you travelled extensively when you were a youngster and even lived in Tokyo for a number of years. Had you been to France prior to our trip?
1: Uh, yes, I had uh, back in 2001 on a journey from uh, London to Prague by a train we stopped in at um, Paris for a couple of days. And it was actually coincided with the, um, I think it was actually New Year's Day, coinciding with the launch of the Euro.
0: Oh, Wow.
1: Uh, so they had uh, it was sort of like the Batman symbol, but it was the euro symbol projected onto the bridges across the Seine.
0: So mm. was it the euro currency or the actual whole arrangement? No, it was the
1: euro currency, the single currency.
0: And the joining together yeah. of all of the nations? That had the... come
1: beforehand. Okay.
0: Now, we travelled first to Paris, and it was autumn, I think, early September, and we went straight to our accommodation at our Airbnb on the Île Saint-Louis. It was getting dark because I like to arrive in Paris at night after a long flight so then I can have a long sleep and shake off any jet lag. What were your first impressions on that trip?
1: Uh, well, what does remind me is the beautiful architecture within mm-hmm. Paris, mm-hmm. Um, the buildings, the layout, but also uh, there's a particular light in the sky. That evening sunset was uh, just something...
0: It's beautiful and I think that light is something that's a different colour. It has a different hue from anywhere else in the world. So different from what we get in Australia, different from other places I've been and no wonder the artists all went there because the light has something different and it's different in all parts of France as well. It's not just the same across France. So we had a big first day. Tell us a bit about our first day in Paris on that trip.
1: The first day, woke up and uh, full of excitement to get out and about and see a few things. And where we were, we were staying on the 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 city. Um, We walked up to your favourite cafe, St Regis, and had a coffee there. And then we started off towards the Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't a queue to walk up the bell towers. The famous iconic bell towers of the Notre Dame,
0: and normally there are huge queues there. So we were quite astounded to go past and see that there was nobody waiting. No,
1: hmm. so it seemed like a very good idea at the time. And uh, given the demise of Notre Dame, mm. it's a very special memory, and probably worth all the pain because it is a very steep, long climb <laughs> up is. to the top there. Um, and fascinating. The views of Paris are just something from up the top there. My ears eventually calm down from the ringing of the bells.
0: Yes, it is very loud and... Well, it was very loud, I should say. And when you climb up, it's really steep. The the staircases are very narrow. Mm. They're in the little turrets that go around and around. When you get to the top... There used to be a walkway to walk across between the two towers and you would be walking right past the spire that Mm. unfortunately fell down during the fire. And the bells, when they go off and you're right there next to them, it just shakes through your whole body. It's quite extreme. But it was the most beautiful experience. And in all the times i have been to Paris, I'd never climbed the top of Notre Dame. So I'm very glad that I did that at that time because clearly now there is no opportunity to do that. So it was a very special memory, as you say. Yeah. But we did pay for it because those stairs are a killer. There's a thousand stairs. Oh, my stairs. lordy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we got down. Uh, when we eventually got down and uh, walked back into the courtyard out the front of Notre Dame, there was no queue to get inside the cathedral itself. Mm. So we took advantage of that Mm. um, and went straight in. And fortunately, they were um, actually saying Mass at Mm. the time. So we joined in uh, with the Mass. And I remember having to hold on to the chair in front of me to Mm. (laughs) stop my legs shaking. (laughs) Steady yourself. (laughs) Steady myself afterwards.
0: So after that, due to the fact that we had some aches and pains going on, we then went and did something else that you had suggested was yeah. a good idea when you first arrived in Paris.
1: Well, on the Paris Pass, which you've mentioned in previous episodes as a uh, fantastic tourist tool, comes with a free double-decker bus open-top tour of Paris. So you get to see some of the major sites, you know, the uh, Place de la Concorde, the Champs-Élysées, drive around the um, Arc de Triomphe. It's a great way of ticking some touristy boxes, but getting a great feel for Paris life as well. Yes. And I certainly remember that one stop, and it's quite famous. There's a couple of buildings and a little marble-floored area that looks out to the Eiffel Tower, and it's just breathtaking.
0: It's across the river from the Eiffel Tower, and it is something that you'll see in a lot of tourist shots. And it's the Eiffel Tower framed by these buildings and especially when it's wet and the marble Mm. is shiny below the Eiffel Tower and in the distance you can see the Eiffel Tower and there's always tourists there photographing from that particular perspective. But I think that bus tour is a really good way to get your bearings in Paris because then if you haven't been there before, you do that and you get an idea of where all the things are from above ground. We use the metro so often that when you're going around in Paris in the metro, you pop up above ground in different spots but you really don't get any idea about how they link together until you see it. So if you haven't been there before, it's a great idea to do that bus tour as one of your first activities, and then you'll have a really clear idea of where everything is yeah. because it is such a beautiful city. It's not enormous, the main part of Paris, in terms of being spread out, but it does pack so much into that space. So a very good tip at the beginning of a trip is to take that bus trip. Some but- people don't want to look like a tourist, But we are. If you're not from Paris, you are a (laughs) tourist. And you just have to grab that with both hands and accept it and go on the tourist bus. But also we had a great guide on that bus who was able to tell us all of these snippets of history and information about the different areas. That even though I'd been there a number of times, I didn't know quite a few of these things. And it was really (laughs) helpful and interesting and insightful. And to be able to go back then and visit the things that we found ticked our boxes was a great thing to be able to do as well. Now, I usually suggest only planning one significant thing each day to leave plenty of time for spontaneous things that pop up. Paint a picture for us of one fabulous memory that you might have from that week in Paris.
1: Oh, so many (laughs) wonderful (laughs) memories, to be honest. Our trip to the Galerie Lafayette, um, and you mentioned this in a previous episode with Sarah about Coco Chanel going up to the counter and buying your perfume there. Yes. Um, And I bought one as well. But then after there, he said, well, let's go have a glass of wine or a champagne up at the rooftop bar there. Yes. And as we were walking up, we bumped into some friends of yours. Yes. Beautiful Uh,
0: Elizabeth and Craig and their family who who were from Melbourne, who I knew here. Yeah. And those kinds of experiences where you just bump into people randomly in a city across the world and especially in Paris yeah. which they love so much yeah. and I love so much it was very special so we went upstairs to the rooftop with them and had uh, had a little time up there together where we could see the Eiffel Tower in one direction and Sacre-Coeur Sacre Coeur in the other um, direction yeah. it was just exquisite so that was a and it was such a beautiful day like yeah. a just gorgeous day so it
1: was a wonderful day so that was a very special memory but the next day we went out to Sacre-Coeur and Montmartre Yes. I tell you, walking into Sacre Coeur and the mosaic on the ceiling uh, is something to behold. It is mm. the most vivid, uh, the blues and golds in it of Jesus with outstretched hands mm. is quite breathtaking. It is.
0: It's exceptional, isn't it? It uh, is. All of the churches around France are quite exquisite, but Sacre Coeur has got something that actually takes your breath away. Mm. That beautiful mosaic that you know was done hundreds of years ago and you think, how did they do that without the technology we have now? And it stayed so brilliant. I find that quite extraordinary. We also had a special day which you weren't expecting and I took you to one of my favourite things to do every time I go to Paris, which is a visit to the wonderful Chalene Ramon. And I didn't even think you'd want to come with me. I said, "I'm going to the hairdresser. Do you want to find something else to do?" And you said, "No, I think I'll go to the hairdresser." So I booked you in with Chalene, and it was, as you said, a little bit life changing. Well, tell it me is. about. <laughs> tell me about what you how you found that experience.
1: Well, uh, being in um, Paris, um, I was surprised that I spoke more French than Charlene spoke English, so there was a (laughs) little bit of a barrier around what to do, so I um, uh, use your wonderful services (laughs) (laughs) interpreter to walk into Charlene's salon, greeted with coffee and uh, these little patisseries. uh,
0: Choquettes.
1: Choquettes. And... Afterwards, uh, also a nice champagne Mm. um, to celebrate the occasion. But uh, Charlene asked what hairstyle I would like through you. I said, well, just whatever you think. You give me something. And I've never done that before with any hairdresser. I've always been quite specific. And uh, Charlene turns to you and said, well, I shall give him the juicy. (laughs) <laughs> said, what's the GC? <laughs> he said, it's a George Clooney. <laughs> I think yes. it's a little flattering. But... <laughs> <laughs> Look, if she's going
0: to give anybody a, a George Clooney, I don't uh, think anyone would say no. no. It's a, there, she was unbelievably wonderful. <laughs> Those choquettes that you talk about are these little pastry puffs. They're like a cream puff with no cream inside and they have crystallized sugar on top. You can buy a bag of them at a corner bakery <laughs> or boulangerie in Paris, for 10 for 2 euro or something. They're quite cheap. But she serves them with a beautiful Chantilly cream that has got gold leaf. Yes, Yes. and gold (laughs) leaf on top. And it's just beautiful that you, you get to dip your gorgeous pastry into this gold leaf cream and have that with Divine Teas and then after that, Champagne. And I think I had a hand massage from beginning to end through that whole experience as well. So it's quite exquisite. I know. So, you know, if there's a reason to go back to Paris, one of my mottos is always leave something as a reason to return. Mm. Even though I've done that every time, it's still a reason to return every time. So I love taking you to all the places that I've adored like that. But I especially loved when we were there, a new experience that I had with you in Paris, a little stop at what has become... While we're talking about patisseries, at a little patisserie behind Shakespeare and Co. It's on the left bank in the Latin Quarter and is a petite store selling the most scrumptiously mouthwatering macarons I've ever tasted. It's called Odette. And I loved it so much I named my cat after it back here when we were back in Australia. Even after I found out that my female cat was actually a male cat, I kept the name Odette for him as the story is just too divine. But we're not going into detail about that because that's a whole other podcast (laughs) genre, I think, about cats with gender fluidity. But we also had a range of beautiful dining experiences from the iconic Les Deux Magots, which is in the Saint-Germain-de-Pres area, from that experience to the tiny, tucked away, horseshoe shaped bar, Au Petit for our Cheval, in a back street of the Marais on the right bank. We also had up in Montmartre near Sacré Coeur, which you just touched on before, there's a little square right near there. And we sat to have a drink and a rest on a hot day in the afternoon. And an artist just came up to us and started cutting out paper cuttings of our profiles while we sat there and chatted to him. And we still have them as a wonderful memory framed at home. So I think we had so many different experiences with a good balance of the touristy to the locally influenced activities. What do you yeah, think?
1: Yeah, terrific. Well, that the man who cut out our silhouettes saw mm. us coming mile off. <laughs> he did. <laughs> we sat down. Uh, up comes his man. and <laughs> like, no thanks, no thanks, no thanks all right, here's 10 euro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. We, we just sat there and he just,
0: started, he just kept doing he goes, it. And if said, you don't like them, don't... don't you don't have to no. buy them. I'll just give them to you as a gift. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. As if we're going to take them as a yeah. gift and they'll give yeah. you something for it. Especially yeah. now, I think those people will need the tourist dollar even more. So when we are allowed to travel again... I recommend to people, go to those places, sit down and just watch the world go by. Every single guest I've had on the podcast has said their recommendation for what to do in France is to not plan your days so fully that you haven't got time to sit and ponder and watch the French just live. And when you do that, these people whose livelihood depends on our tourist dollar in those kinds of ad hoc ways – you can immerse yourself with that too. So whilst we might think that some people are just taking advantage of us, that's how they make their living. So it's quite important. Now, we like to share a recipe or une recette on each episode. Now, you cook for me quite regularly and we do eat a lot of French-inspired food because I request it. Oui. (laughs) (laughs) But what is one of your favourite French recipes?
1: Well, you've covered off on uh, quite a lot of my favourite recipes in other episodes, soup d'oignon, escargot. Um, But one of my um, favourites is a coq au vin, which is a French dish of braised chicken with wine, lardens, which are ribbons of bacon, so it's not like your thin rashes, it's the bigger piece cut into...
0: A ladon's a lucky little square, a little yeah. chunks of bacon. Yeah.
1: Mm. Mushrooms, shallots and um, garlic. And Yum. My recommendation for a cocavan is a red wine. I quite like using a Bordeaux. Mm. because You can acquire them at a reasonable price even here in Australia. But as with everything, and I said, mentioned this in the Buller Bays in one of the earlier episodes, buy local, buy quality. Mm-hmm. For your Bordeaux, obviously it's not local here in Australia, but buy good quality. Mm. Don't use cheap wine for cooking. No. If you wouldn't drink it, don't cook with it.
0: No. And we have listeners across America and across Europe, and I know we have listeners in California and there are great mm. California wines. We've got brilliant wines here in Australia, but sometimes it's nice to use a French wine when you're cooking French food. So That's right. you can buy Bordeaux wines across the world. So wherever you are, seek one out and you can use it for this and use some for the dish and some for the glass.
1: Yeah, that's right. Mm. That's right. You know, here in Australia, we generally have very full-body Shiraz wines, Mm. whereas in France, they don't often have that same intensity of the wine, so you get a more subtle flavour to the chicken. Yeah. It's quite a rich uh, flavour, but you can serve it to children because the alcohol burns off from the cooking process and you're just left with the lovely
0: quite important. <laughs> we don't need to do that to our children. Now, no. we also always share some French music mm-hmm. on the Bells Francophiles. What is a track that you would like to share with us today?
1: I actually think the artist is Swiss, uh, is Swiss but the track is sung in French, and it was one of the first um, encounters I'd had with French music. In the like 90s. That, in the 90s. Mm. Um, and it's a song called "Déjeuner en Paix," which translates as Lunch in Peace. We can all do with that, and yes. especially uh, during the COVID lockdowns, uh, where you have your family, kids all together in the one house. Sometimes, yes, a little break to have
0: a little bit of peace goes a long way at the moment, I think. Way. Um And it's by an artist called, called S- Stefanica. Stefanica. Stefanica, yes. Yeah. So here is Déjeuner en Pay by Stefanica, Messy Pulli. <laughs>
2: J'abandonne sur une chaise les chounelles du matin Les nouvelles sont mauvaises tout qu'elles viennent J'attends qu'elles se réveillent et qu'elles se lèvent en fond. Je souffle sur les braises pour qu'elles prennent Cette fois je ne lui annonce pas la dernière Et qu'attend La nature humaine, c'est pourquoi elle voudrait enfin, si je le permets, déjeuner en paix. Crois-tu qu'il va neiger, un démon tel soudain, me feras-tu un bébé pour Noël
0: the link for that track as well as Paul's recipe for vin which he described earlier in the episode on lulubelsfrancophiles.com. That's Lou, L-O-U, La, Bells, B-E-L-L-E-S, and Francophiles with two F's. Now that reset sounded just delicious, Paul. Can I place that on the list of requests for dinner soon? We. Oui. To de so c'est tout et c'est la fin aujourd'hui that is all for another Little Bell's Francophiles episode I'm loving hearing from Francophiles that you are enjoying being transported to France as much as I am it was quite lovely today to reminisce about our Paris trip with my partner Paul I have spoken about him often so I'm glad all you Francophiles out there got to meet him today we will have part two of this conversation which will discuss the second part of our trip our driving tour around Provence in the region near Avignon and that will be in an upcoming episode so subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or follow lullabelle's francophiles on Insta to be notified when that and other new episodes are available or head to the lullabelle's francophiles website which is the place to stay connected to one of our fave destinations france au revoir paul et merci pour aujourd'hui
1: au revoir Bell.
0: au revoir à tous et à bientôt